and welcome to the In It Together podcast brought to you by Co-op and hosted by me, Yasmin Evans. In this episode, we're going to be talking about the big question, is plastic really that bad? Joining me, our broadcaster and presenter, Anita Rani, who co-hosted the BBC documentary War on Plastic, and Ian Ferguson, Environment Manager at Co-op, who ensures the company continue to do a great job on reducing waste and increasing recyclability of its packaging. Hey guys, how are you today? Very well, thank you Yasmin. Lovely to be here to chat plastic. Do you know what, this conversation is something that I feel like I need because I think amongst many other people probably listening to this podcast, uh, we all know that we should actually be doing better for ourselves and for the planet. So uh, this is going to be a educational lesson for me and it is an absolute pleasure to have you both here. So first off, I want to chat to you guys about how important this topic is to you. So Ian, I'm going to start with you. This is absolutely, you know, life and breath to me, food and drink to me. I I live and breathe this every day um, at work and at home. It's just absolutely key. And how about you, Anita? Well, that's good. We agree, Ian. (laughs) Um, You know, we all watched Blue Planet with the amazing David Attenborough and couldn't believe our eyes when we saw the footage of what plastic was doing to our oceans. And I think that was a heart-stopping moment of television that flicked a switch in everyone's minds who watched it. All of a sudden, you've got little kids going, oh my God, we need to protect our environment. This can't be happening. No one knew. I don't think we even realized the damage that plastic was doing for a long time. It was just this wonder material that had you know just arrived and was just doing great things and all of a sudden that showed us it's us and our consumption of this thing that is literally destroying our planet and then you know I guess making war on plastic with the brilliant Hugh Fernley Whittingstall uh, just sort of took that a stage further because it was like okay here we we are aware that we are doing a great deal of damage with this so what can we do about it? What can we, mere mortals, humans at home, and then, of course, big business, so anyone who saw the programme would know it was like two-tier, what can we do? How can we change it? Absolutely, because I think many of us aspire to have, you know, or to live a greener lifestyle, and it can be hard to know where to begin. So what would you recommend or how would you recommend to start, whether it be, a, you know, a small change in lifestyle, Anita, or, you know, a bigger change? Oh, gosh, there's so many little things that we can do. Easy wins. That's what I'm all about. A lot of people might feel that this is totally out of their hands, right, that they can't do anything. But I believe we are very powerful, even as individuals, obviously more powerful collectively. So if everyone does their bits, we can have quite a lot of influence. And War on Plastic showed that people have power. So what are the things that you can do? Like really basic things that in your home, I don't know about you, but every time I look in my recycling, I'm just, it's like, well, first of all, recycling is so complicated anyway. And then very satisfying not to have a big bag of recycling if you just do simple things. Basic, get rid of plastic dispensers for um, soap. I've gone back to soap, bars of soap, which is very nostalgic. (laughs) <laughs> I've done the same thing. Yeah. And I love, I love spending hours just smelling different soaps. And, you know, there's so many different varieties out there. There's also some brilliant, small, I'm a big believer in supporting small business, some brilliant ethical brands out there who are rethinking and coming up with really good solutions to packaging. 
if you saw the show, you will have seen that I put myself out on the line. I opened up my cupboards, the shameful Tupperware cupboard. Ah, yes. Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> As an Indian woman, we have been recycling yogurt pots uh, since the beginning of time in Indian households. So I've probably got some yogurt pots from the 80s with various curries that have been passed around. There's nothing more satisfying than opening like a, a cart door and realizing it's like curry inside. <laughs> always the cart door as well um i think since um supermarkets started charging us for plastic bags it's amazing what um you know pinching people's pockets can do i'm just let's not let's not take carrier bags like take your bags to the supermarket with you and and there's just lots of different ways of reducing plastic i I could list lots of them but i'm sure they'll come up as we carry on talking but i just try and reduce it as much as i can it is all around us but there are lots of little things we can all do to yeah make ourselves feel better and just do our bit i was gonna say i must be indian because i've got lots of uh, ice cream pots and yogurt pots with with things that go in the freezer in uh, I didn't realise it was Indian. I thought it was Italian, actually. The thing on carrier bags is absolutely right. And we have a range of carrier bags uh, that are made from recycled materials, recycled plastic, and are recycled at the end of life. But the important thing is to keep on using them. Get the, the strongest one you can find and keep using it until it absolutely wears out. I've got carrier bags that our strong carrier bags I've been using them for years and years and years, and they do not wear out. They're, they're fantastic. So that makes a big difference. And read the information on the pack about how to recycle things, because mm. we're trying to make it easy so that everything just says, just recycle it. That is a really good point. I've got carrier bags, like yogurt pots, from years ago <laughs> under the sink. And people keep asking me, what do we do with the stuff that we've got? Like, use it. If you've got it already, just use it. Yes, reuse carrier bags. Use them, use them. Because they're in the system. Once they're in the system, there's no point in just binning things. Yeah. And you're right. I think if, you know, if big corporations like yourselves, Ian, can make it much easier for people to understand how we can, once we've got this plastic, if it's unavoidable, the best way of recycling it. And the more recyclable, the better. But ultimately, for me, it is all about getting out of the system in the first place. So if you don't have it, it's you, you don't have to worry about it. Absolutely. And if your council doesn't recycle something that says on the pack, widely recycled, it says widely recycled because everybody else in the country virtually recycles it. And if your council doesn't recycle it, ask them why not. If they are council, you pay their wages, ask them why not. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I was so shocked to learn that councils and whoever they then send their recycling to some councils are just it's just ending up in Malaysia and far far away to become someone else's problem and it's having such detrimental impact to their environment and it is shameful it's shameful that that is what we're doing we're just it's out of sight out of mind Mm -hmm. I think we need to know where everything is ending up absolutely now Ian as environment manager at co-op when it comes to what co-op do compared to what other larger, we're not going to mention, supermarkets do, um, how do you compete? What what are you looking at to make sure that you are the uh, the business and the supermarket or shop that sort of takes the lead in recycling? Start with, we're, we because we're a member-owned organisation, our members tell us what they want. We have different drivers than other unmentionable retailers. Because our members tell us they want us, overwhelmingly they tell us they want us to make packaging we use recyclable. So it gives us permission to play. So for years I've been working on removing plastic items. So like cotton buds, we we took the plastic stems off cotton buds in 2006. And when you buy a packet of tissues, a lot of tissues have got a plastic 
diaphragm under the, the lid. We changed those to card in, of thin paper in 2005. You don't need the plastic there. So we look at things to see, do we need the plastic there? Does it actually add any value? Can we take it out? But also we, we look at the recyclability. And when we look at recyclability, we don't just think we'd like this to be recyclable. We go and talk to the people who who own the, the waste infrastructure, the waste management infrastructure, and we ask them what things we should change to make it better for them. And when we asked them, they said, take the colour out, take the complexity of the packaging out, the materials out, and concentrate on a smaller number of plastic polymers. And that's what we've been doing for a number of years now. So we've done lots on, on these things. So we've we've taken the, the plastic, the discs of pizzas. That was a very hard plastic to recycle. We replaced that on all our pizzas with, with cardboard, which is very recyclable. So that sort of thing. It's challenging. It took four years for the pizza discs, yeah. but it's worth the effort. Yeah. And also worth to mention that Co-op was the first national retailer to introduce compostable carrier bags am i correct that's correct yes we actually introduced them back in 2008 but we relaunched them and, and pushed them really hard in 2018 taking the ordinary carrier bags out of our store half of our stores where the council accepts the compostable bags for foodless collections and replacing the compostable bags so customers no longer had to make that decision and they had a valuable second use for that carrier bag in the food waste collection that's not to say we want customers just to use compostable bags. We want customers to use their reusable bags, mm-hmm. as we said, until they wear out. Yeah, absolutely. I have to say on cotton buds, if people are still using plastic cotton buds, please stop that. And, you know, it's great that you are, as a company have got rid of plastic cotton buds because I've done a few beach cleanups. The amount of cotton buds that you pick up on a beach. I mean, it's almost like we're a nation obsessed with cleaning our ears. Um, <laughs> it's terrible. And I've done it. And that was a country file piece. And all we seem to be doing was picking up microbeads and cotton buds. Yeah. So yeah, cotton buds is easy. And I mean, I, I kind of shop locally. I, I think in lockdown, life has changed a bit. So that for me is a, is an easy win. Yeah. Now we're talking about a lot of different ways that we can help make change at home and what, co-op is doing but I feel like for me when I see statistics is when it really hits home because you know we all know and we all fall victim to being lazy and kind of you know sweeping under the rug like we know it's bad and what we're doing you know using all this plastic but until it is there in black and white I think sometimes it doesn't really hit us as much so Ian do you have any shocking statistics at hand sorry to put you on the spot (laughs) Um, I think the the biggest shocking statistic is that there are 80% of councils in the UK will collect half plastics, that's a plastic pot subs and trays for recycling, and 20% don't. And it's the 20% that don't. Why not? If four-fifths can do it, why can't the other fifth do it? That's that's what's shocking me. Yeah, yeah. Everybody knows just how much plastic waste is out there and there's tons and tons and tons of it that we produce but everyone's trying I think as long as we're trying I've had a lot when I made that program I went up and down up war on plastic and we were on a street in Bristol and this brilliant street who um just went with the experiment lesson we were there for four months trying to get them to just change their habits and we thought let's see if ordinary families can really 
uh, take this on board and get rid of plastic. And I think that was a good sample of people across the country. Some people were totally up for it and went, this is it. And by the end of it, like plastic was their worst enemy and someone had a completely plastic-free Christmas. Most people were in the middle and said, look, we're going to adapt to our lifestyle. For a lot of people, money is a big factor, right? So you can't kind of expect people to completely change when actually financially it's going to impact them. And then there were some people who just slammed the door in our face and said, we're not interested. And I think there are people across the spectrum. But, you know, Ian, what I feel is, and people are great in Britain and everyone's doing their bit. And there's a lot to be said for people power. But we need big business to give us a hand, don't we? We need we, do. we need the government to kind of implement change. And we need big corporate, we need people like the co-op and all the other supermarkets to help out here. You know, we need the choice when we step into supermarkets to be able to shop the way we want to. But you've also, like you say, you've got to adapt as well and, and look at systems. You're, you're the power. Yeah, you're right, Anita. But I think what we need, we need a partnership. We need a partnership approach. We need the government to provide the right systems for, for recycling. They're absolutely the right systems for recycling. We need businesses like ours, which we are doing, to align what we use with those systems so that when people go to the supermarket, they don't have to choose. It's just there for them. They just have the information, very simple, to put the recycling in the right place. So it's, it needs that partnership approach. We, we know people are trying to do their best. But unless the system's there to help them do their best, it's going to fall foul. It's going to to fail at some stage. So we need that design approach all the way through. And that's that's our approach all the way. We design our packaging to meet what the local authorities will say they want in their system. So that when we then label our packaging for the customer, they know that for 80%, unfortunately, um, they can then put it in the right place. Yeah, I wrote a letter to my council. We had uh, bins at the end of my road in West London where, unfortunately, we had a lot of fly tipping. And so we had warnings for a while. Then eventually, because people didn't stop the fly tipping, our bins got taken away. So we had one huge recycling bin, one uh, for regular waste. And then, obviously, the waste and the fly tipping just increased, not just in one spot, all the way up the road and obviously because a lot of people have to then go and buy their own bins for their own garden we weren't provided with anything so obviously I my I did it the, the you know the traditional right way wrote a letter not with my quill and ink um <laughs> I wrote an email um, you're very modern Yasmin. and <laughs> and it took a few goes but I think a lot of people don't know where to start so you know I just thought, okay, well, I'm just going to write to the council. A lot of people probably wouldn't feel the need to do that, wouldn't know what to write. And it went back and forth quite a bit. But then we then on this road received the recyclable bags, the see-through bags, so that we are aware which is for recycling and, and, and not. But it's still not as regular as it should be. Today, I finally got mine delivered um, after probably about three months in fact this is the first lot of recycled bags that i've received during lockdown this is the first lot today that's shocking that's actually really shocking well really done shocking. you well done you for being the person who wrote to the council and you know i felt like such a uh, a teacher's pet i was like i'm gonna stand up for everyone <laughs> that yeah i think councils need to your your council definitely needs to book up their ideas right absolutely and it is so complicated recycling is so complicated 
Ian, you're absolutely right. You know, until we get to that utopia, which is what I'm hoping for, where we don't have the plastic and that single use plastic is not in the system anymore. I don't believe it's all about recycling, actually. I mean, I'm a firm believer that at some point we just need to get the stuff out and just stop producing it. And that will help reduce it. But until we get to that point, please, government councils, just help us out with clear labelling and so that we understand what to do. Because I know there's a lot of households that will have arguments over the recycling. (laughs) Me and my husband will just, I don't know what what are we supposed to do? Where does this go? You know, and I'm sure that's happening up and down the land. Yeah, we do need a bit more direction. I get those questions all the time. You're going to get a lot of emails after this, Ian. Oh, I'll get them anyway. Yes. I think. I think also for me, if I, you know, if I don't want to become quite preachy, and like I said at the beginning of this episode, is that I, I still need some help and some direction. You know, I'm forever googling. I'm forever making sure that I'm looking at the label because I don't really know. I'm just like, right, recycling. So that means plastic paper. Uh, I put it all in one bag. Like I just shove it all in sometimes and I'm like, hang on a minute. I need to really think about what goes with what, because there are layers to this and it it is a little bit more effort, but for an effort of the future of the planet without sounding preachy is, is not a big deal. And I always say this, it's not just about the recycling, like you said, Anita. So although we're talking about recycling and, and things like that, are there any plastic positive? Like, for example, does it delay food going off? Anything like that? Are there, are there positives, really, of having plastic in your home? Ian, I'm going to ask you that question. There are huge positives. And one of the things to remember about anything we do in plastics, they're a great servant and a bad master. It's, you know, it's like fire. It's, it's a good servant, a bad master. So it's really, really useful for a lot of purposes. The, the, the most extreme example is if you were to say, I know you bought, you're a vegan, Yasmin, but sorry, if you take a steak, it's okay. if you buy a steak from, mm-hmm. from a butcher, it probably will last two or three days in your fridge, probably, before, and it started to deteriorate almost straight away. We used to have packaging that was called modified atmosphere packaging. It sounds really horrible, but it's not. All you're doing is taking the oxygen out and replacing it with CO2, which is a natural gas, and nitrogen, which is 80% of what we breathe is nitrogen. And that makes the steak last six days. If you put it into a skin pack, which almost has to have some plastic in it, if you put it in a skin pack, it will last between 17 and 20 days, and it will not deteriorate in that time. And the only reason it isn't expected to last longer is there are there are regulations about another spotage organism that's unlikely to occur. It's just a fail-safe. So it really, really extends the shelf life of something that's really high carbon. It's carbon intensive is, is beef, uh, and it's very high value because it's a steak, uh, and it just reduces the food waste enormously. And it does that for a lot of things. But if you think about if you're going to have a barbecue one weekend and the British weather lets you down, you don't have to think what I'll do with that steak you can put it on the barbecue the next weekend and it'll be perfectly safe. Oh. Actually, it's interesting through lockdown. I mean, I don't know what you found, Ian, at co-op, but um, certainly anecdotally around here and talking to my family, everybody's shopping habits seem to have changed quite a lot. Um, I mean, I'm I'm just a household of two, and I guess I kind of represent my demographic in that I shop little and often. Mm. Um, and I know that there'll be lots of families um, up and, uh, like on budgets who, need to sh- who do a weekly shop. But I think people's shopping habits have changed um, a little bit and people seem to be shopping uh, locally a lot more. 
I don't think any of us need to apologize for wanting to look after our planet. I think it's imperative we all do it. I mean, if we look yeah. at the state of the world that we're in now, you know, it is slightly as a consequence of the lives that we live, this kind of being able to travel, jump on a plane. I'm just as guilty of it as everyone else. I'm not, I don't feel guilty. You know, it is, I love traveling. But it, it is, you know, the, the consequences that we are here as we are and life has had to change because pandemics can now happen and spread really quickly because we can all jump on a flight. And yeah, I, you know, my world has become a lot smaller and it has become a bit more localized. And I have started thinking about everything in a different way and my impact and what I need and how much waste I'm producing. I'm looking at my yeah. wardrobe and thinking, why do I, I haven't bought an item item of clothing. I've not been to the shops. I don't, I'm not missing, you know, going to the shops. I'm actually thinking the opposite. Let's, I just don't want all this stuff in my house. And I think, yeah, yeah I don't know if you feel the same. It's just, the, and also the small things have become really important. For, throughout lockdown, at the beginning of lockdown, I planted seeds. And now I've got green beans, tomatoes, uh, plants that I'm, I was the death doctor to green things in my house because I just, you know, I just didn't pay attention. And now it's, you know, paying attention to the little things like watering my plants, watching them grow, nurturing things. And that small expression in my household, I think is, you know, there's a bigger picture. It's a, it's just a micro version of something much bigger, which is we yeah. should just all be paying attention to the small things and it will make yeah. a difference. We're living a sustainable life. We have seen many more customers come to the co-op to, to do their shopping because a lot of our stores are local to them. Uh, and yeah. I'm not so sure that everybody's doing a little and often, but I think they're doing, you know, weekly shops and, and thinking about that. Mm. But the most important thing on that is that if you go shopping, you should have a shopping list so that you're not buying more than you need. Yeah. You should cook the right amount for, for what you need. And rice and pasta are some of the, the, the most challenging things on this because – you put it in the pan, you think it's not enough. You know, so you measure it carefully, first of all, and, and believe in it, and then store it properly. Look at the storage advice on the products you get. And by doing that, um, you will embed the good habits that have been put in place through lockdown on food waste. And by reducing food waste, you're also reducing packaging waste because everything you waste that's been bought in packaging that you haven't eaten, you have to replace with something else that's also in packaging. So it's it, it all joins together. So the packaging helps reduce food waste and reducing food waste helps to reduce packaging. Mm. But just speaking naively, but just as someone who, you know, is living in my little utopia, what if you did as a, as a brilliant supermarket chain who, you know, has a long history of being about the people, just got rid of plastic and just set an example and went, right, that's it. We're just doing away with it where we can completely and just providing paper bags and loose fruit and veg i mean why couldn't that happen so paper bags are the wrong solution okay they sound, they sound like the right solution but they're the wrong solution they actually have about seven times the carbon impact of plastic bags so the right solution is to try and get to a stage where people will use a reusable bag for, for loose produce uh, and that is something that we will be we are exploring how to take that forward working at a retailer things take time unfortunately it's like the pizza discs absolutely right thing to do with the pizza discs you know to get rid of all that polystyrene and replace with cardboard it took four years to have to land that the systems that you have to change for two and a half thousand to three thousand stores are enormous it's just a challenge unfortunately i feel like we need to bang on everyone's door yeah, yeah. what we are doing Anita, is we are soon going to be rolling out 
are trialling film recycling at stores. So all the plastic film we use on things, yeah. we will be collecting at our stores for recycling. And, and we're aiming to have that at one in every community sometime next year. That's, you know. When you are collecting all the plastic on packaging, are you providing like bags for people? So it's, you know, cause like we're saying, we need to be told how and to do it or do we store this ourselves? What What's the plan for that? Because that's quite interesting and quite exciting, actually. Yeah. Um, well, we will have recycling bins in the stores and people can bring the individual items and put them straight in that bin or they can take a bread bag for example and put all the other things in the bread bag and put that in there so you know either way works for us and then we will send it off somewhere to make it get it recycled into something new oh fantastic that's very positive yes right we know it has to be sorted out and we're trying to find the right solution uh, and taking the plastic off isn't necessarily the right solution because it provides so many benefits. I mean, if you were to take something like a shampoo, uh, if you were to put that in a glass bottle, that would be very, very dangerous in your bathroom. I use a soap bar. Yeah, shampoo baths are lovely, yeah. But, but you're right, you're right. I mean, I've, you know, I've had this conversation with a few people and there's different schools of thought. Yeah, and, and also plastic shampoo bottles are recyclable. So, you know, I don't want everyone to feel terribly guilty for buying shampoo and not everybody wants to have a soap bar. I don't, I don't need anything. <laughs> you, can do, you can go as far as you want to go is what I want to say to everyone out there. Yeah. Like There are so many things that you can do. It's just about what works for your lifestyle. Absolutely. I would urge everyone to really think about it and just make little small changes in their own life. And you will feel really good about it. Every time you pick up that bar of soap in your bathroom, you will feel good <laughs> as well as clean. And we're not saying that you you absolutely looking around your house right now and taking up. I have so I have a fil- a water filter. This is a this is a recyclable plastic bottle. Right, that's good plastic. Good plastic, and it, I don't throw it away and start a new one every time. Plus, there's about a gallon of water in there. And so, if you are listening right now and you're looking around thinking, "Oh my gosh, I've got to get rid of this and that," that that's not what we're saying. We're just saying for you to be more aware of where it comes from and then how you're using it and what to do with it. In the future, there are some. There is very good plastic out there. I've got hundreds of records in my house, and that is good plastic. <laughs> Vinyl is not going anywhere. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Well, thank you both so much for having this conversation. This has been exactly what I needed to make me a little bit more aware. So, hopefully, for those of you listening today, it has Anita and Ian. Thank you so much. It's been a delight. Thank you. Thank you, Yasmin. Thank you. Shop at Co-op, where the is produced with sustainability front of mind, with the aim of phasing out all plastic that can't be recycled from own brand products and replacing it with packaging that can be reused or easily recycled. For more information, visit coop.co.uk slash recycling. If you've enjoyed this week's episode of In It Together, then tune in next week when I'll be joined by vegan recipe creator Rachel Ammer, vegan chef Gaz Oakley, and co-op's head of innovation, Catherine Shipley. In It Together, brought to you by Co-op. All views are those of our guests and not Co-op.